Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome, intrepid co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Randy. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context and see if they hold up upon a review. If you want to find us on the web, you can do so at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. You can email us at contact at reviewed podcast.com. And um, I don't know. Is there something else I should be saying here at the top of the show? No. Oh, and, uh, face, did I say Facebook? Facebook.com slash review podcast. Yeah. yeah. All that nailed good it. ways. And getting, yeah. Guys, I nailed it. I, I nailed the <laughs> intro to this show. Um, and on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the 1996 film Star Trek First Contact. In his nightmares, he can see them. In his mind, he can hear them. Locutus. In his soul, he can feel them. I've just received a report from Deep Space Five. Long-range sensors have picked up. Yes, I know. The Borg. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Now, in Earth's darkest hour, he must fight them again. Captain. Earth. Life signs? Population approximately 9 billion. All Borg. How? Time travel. They went back and assimilated Earth. Changed history. I must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. But this time, they must travel to the past. April 4th, 2063. To save our future. You're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. So, oh, boy. oh boy. So First Contact is a Mike selection um, because apparently his girlfriend really is into Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV series. Is that correct? Right, yeah, yeah. She recently started getting into it. So, uh, Is that on Netflix, the whole series or something? Or? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. So um, this film, I believe, is the second of the uh, Next Generation films, uh, of which there have been four made. Um, and I'm kind of – I'm very excited to talk about this because – I remember enjoying this movie a lot as a kid. I don't know if you guys had seen this movie prior. Had you, Dave? I did. Saw in theaters. Yeah, and Mike, did you see it? I have not. Oh, boom. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm not like a huge Star Trek guy, and I never have been. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting. I thought it'd be interesting to revisit this movie because. Um, I want to see how maybe I just missed something about Star Trek. Also, we now live in a world where there is an entirely new Star Trek franchise uh, that was, you know, started by J.J. Abrams. So, and that already has three entries in it. So there is just a lot of, like, kind of juicy stuff to talk about. And I know that Dave is a Star Wars guy. So I'm wondering how he feels like Star Trek kind of fits into the the beloved sci-fi franchises like that and kind of kind of dis- discern what makes people Star Trek people and what makes people Star Wars people and you know that kind of thing so uh, this movie is about uh, I'm going to read the IMDb plot synopsis uh, the Borg travel back in time intended on preventing Earth's first contact with an alien species Captain Jean-Luc Picard and his crew pursue them to ensure that Zephyrin Cochran makes his maiden flight reaching warp speed it's actually kind of a terrible uh, plot synopsis. But basically the premise <laughs> is that the uh, crew of the Enterprise, led by Captain Picard, need to travel back in time uh, to stop the Borg from preventing first contact with the Vulcans, which happens uh, because a guy achieves uh, warp speed on Earth. Um, the movie stars a bunch of really uh, pretty amazing cast, actually. Uh, you know, Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, um, and we've got uh, my man, um, as Zephyr Cromwell, James Cromwell, and Alfred Woodard, and Alfred Woodard, Reading uh, Rainbow. <laughs> uh, yeah, LeVar Burton, also known as Reading Rainbow. <laughs> Reading Rainbow. <laughs> uh, hey, Brent- Reading Rainbow, why don't you get over here? And, and what happened to Stand By Me? He wasn't in this movie. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, damn. J- Jerry O'Connell? Not Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> no. <laughs> What? He's in Stand By Me. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the one. Uh, uh, Will, Will As- Wheaton. Will Wheaton. He wasn't in this one. Oh. That's right. That's Is right. Will, oh, Will Wheaton's in the uh, Next Generation Did series? he die in the first of the Next Generation movies? No, I, I, think, I so. think they just they just didn't want him on here, I guess. I don't, no, I don't know, actually. Maybe maybe he did. Um, but, so here's my thing in watching this movie. Um, I remember enjoying it quite a bit, 
as a kid. And the film, like Star Trek First Contact is kind of universally the most successful of all the next generation movies. Like it did well at the box office. Um, it was critically acclaimed, uh, which you can't say about any of the other three, um, which Generations, Nemesis, mm-hmm. and something, Nemesis 2, something, yep. something like that. Yeah. Insurrection, Insur- I think. Right. Yeah. One of them had Tom Hardy in it. I don't know which one. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, huh. We'll have to watch it now. Young Tom Hardy. Um, I bet he's got Obviously. beautiful, pillowy <laughs> lips in it. Um, but the, the thing is, like, um, I, I just am curious whether or not you guys kind of thought this movie still works like if uh do you think it is it generally a good sci-fi action movie or not because in rewatching it now my first impression i'm just going to jump right i don't usually start with me but my first impression in watching this was it just feel it felt like cheap to me i don't know if you guys kind of got that impression but it felt to me like a two-hour special episode of the series and it didn't feel like a great standalone sci-fi movie and i can get into deeper why that is but i'm just curious your further thoughts before I go down my rabbit hole. So, Mike, what did you think? Um, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I kind of I kind of get that. Um, my biggest critique of the show is I think you have two really interesting plots vying for attention. I think we have the time travel, you know, stop James Cromwell from drinking himself into a hole. <laughs> and then we have the Borg attacking the ship and they have to decide whether or not they destroy the Enterprise or not. And I think it's hard for me to get super invested in either one because I feel like we're just getting, you know, jerked back and forth between these two plots. And I think they each could merit their own movie. I think the, the plot's meaty enough and you have enough there to make that two different storylines. Now, I know TV tends to do the A and B plot thing. I know that's very common for Star Trek. Like they do that all the time. And and Queenie, my, my fiance, even said that they often do a on the ship crew and then like on the ground crew. Like that's usually, that's kind of like the format they do for a lot of it. But still, for this, I just didn't feel like it. I, I think you needed to you needed to split up two because I think both of them are very interesting themes. I think both of them you have Data deciding whether or not he wants to be a human or a cyborg, um, or I guess android rather. Um, you have the Borg, which I think is just one of the most interesting sci-fi alien races that exists, and I think I, I wanted to learn more about them. And I think we're just getting like it felt cheap to me because like, we couldn't dive too deep into either one of these plot lines. Yeah, well, like, I, think I mean, even oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. even just even the you know uh, the uh, Zach Efron. <laughs> no, Zach uh, Efron. <laughs> Let's just call him Zach Efron. No, Zephyrin like, Cochran. <laughs> yeah, Efron. yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, see, <laughs> see, even his plotline. I feel like there's so much you can do with that, and instead it's just like he runs away once and they bring him back, and like I, I, that character has so much more depth that you can you can work with. So that's my biggest concern. I think I, if if you had split these up in two different movies, I think it would have served both plots better. Um, and because of that, I feel like it makes it make, made them both feel cheap to me. I you know, know. I, 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 I just feel, uh, yeah, it feels like a two-hour-long episode of, of a TV show, which I guess, you know, is kind of what it is. But even just the, the, the nature of those A and B plots, like one being confined to the ship and the other one being confined, confined on Earth to, like, a small, like, one-acre area. Like, the set of the Earth thing is so small. It just feels so the, – the movie, for being a movie – about like how expansive the galaxy is it just feels tiny and i think that um my larger point is why do i like star wars better than star trek is every time i watch a star wars movie and they're all like the same length as the star trek movies is star wars feels like it's got this like lived in world that exists beyond what we're seeing on screen and it feels like you know they're going to tons of places and it just feels like a very expansive universe and star trek never gives me that for mm-hmm. some reason i don't know quite why that is dave i've been well, I, think it, I think the format it, I, I think it follows its its tv format i think it's for sure like it's about this crew on the on these particular isolated missions it's very rarely about i think what's happening across the galaxy but i think you're right to your credit for a movie maybe it should be maybe you don't go into these smaller things you go into the bigger scope like the new star trek movies do that I think the new Star Trek movies, you feel a lot more of the expanse. You're seeing a lot more of the sets. You're right. seeing a lot more of the right. different planets and the different cultures. Wait, and they the Star Wars them up. They Star Wars them up. <laughs> um, but I, I have issues with the the new Star Trek series too. I, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a great series by any stretch of the imagination. But Dave, <laughs> I right. know I'm hot. Yeah. Uh, All right, where to start? I mean, this is a good movie. I think this is a good movie. I, it's a good it's a good Star Trek movie. I, I would say. Is it better? Uh, I, I, than... agree, I agree that it's uh, basically a special episode, uh, and it feels like one. But I feel like most of the you know, there's a lot of Star Trek movies at this point, right? This is the A Star Trek movie, so there would have been 
another couple there would have been 10 plus you know the last three so there's like 13 Star Trek movies that we're talking about and there's really only two or three good ones I would say I would say uh, Wrath of Khan I haven't seen it Wrath Wrath of Khan's great and uh, that also feels like kind of a a a long episode of the series but you know you know cheap is a relative term I mean they're much more you know obviously Wrath of Khan looks much better than like a 1960s Star Trek episode Uh, this this uh, Star Trek First Contact looked it was probably the most technologically uh, technologically uh, ahead of its time of you know of all the Star Trek movies. It was the first one to start using CG uh, ships and, and other other things. I think Star Trek the the sixth Star Trek uh, one with William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy. They had some CG effects like floating blood and, and other stuff. Um, and uh, I can hear Mike typing. This is so funny. <laughs> I'm not typing, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm doing some folding paper. Oh, okay. Sorry. You're wait, doing wait, wait, wait. You're podcasting and making origami? What are you doing over there? <laughs> He's folding basically, a, yeah, origami pretty much board. Nailed it. But you know what? What's interesting to me about this movie is it is basically a time travel zombie movie that happens to be a Star Trek movie. Oh, that's actually very interesting. It is. It is very much <laughs> and, that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I felt I found interesting things about it, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with you. It doesn't feel as expansive as a Star Wars movie. It, it you know, it feels l- limited uh, in scope for whatever reason. It, it just it, it feels a little bit. Just I'm just gonna say it. Just feels a little bit nerdy. Star Wars feels like it's a, it's, it's something that more people can. Oh yeah, uh, because Star Wars yeah. is so not nerdy. Well, well Star yeah, Wars is, 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 Star Wars is definitely nerdy, is definitely nerdy. But I feel like you know, there's a reason why that uh, kind of seeped into the you know more. Pe- you'll find more people. I think that oh like yeah for sure I mean Star Wars is a uh, and that's not the shit on Star Trek it's just to say that Star Trek has a more uh, has different things on its mind I would say that Star Trek has this uh, very positive worldview a very positive view of the universe everybody you know it's not about um, you know Star Wars is concerned with myth and, and heroism and that kind of stuff Star Trek is concerned with making a better world and a better future well, I would that argue kind of that Star Trek is actually a sci-fi franchise I don't think I think Star Wars is an adventure franchise that happens yeah. to have science fiction elements I it's, like it's fantasy too because That's you have fair. a lot of like the, you know, the mysticism of the force and all right. that stuff so there's but some Star- fantasy elements in a sci-fi setting but Star Trek is a much more kind of like cold sci-fi it exists in our world it's not mm-hmm. a galaxy far far away it's our world protracted out to an idyllic version of the future um, it does have some really great characters I'm not going to deny that I think Picard's a great character oh, yeah. I, I even think Data is a fun character I think a lot of his stuff works yeah. um, and um I, I could watch Jonathan Frakes smirk at the camera all day. Like his yeah. his his, his, <laughs> his primary acting mode is letting the audience know that he's got a great little smile and kind yeah. of like giving it to the audience. Like it's 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 kind of hammy, but it kinda, it also kind of works for the movie. Uh, a little so, I mean, too hammy for me. But, maybe but yeah. maybe a little too hammy. But he used to host a show called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction oh, on Fox. I don't know if you guys remember the show. <laughs> I, the, from, yeah, but I used to watch it that. religiously, and I've always kind of got this like I have this attachment uh, to Jonathan Frakes because of that. Um, this film's actually directed by him too, so I mean he had yeah. a big part in its creation. But just something about its construction and the way it's shot, um, and I don't know, it just feels um, like all the sets remind me of like when you go to like a really good ghost house. That's what the sets remind me of. Like when they're going, like, you know, there's like the, just like the smoke effects and the uh, the electrobe stuff is all like, it, you know, it doesn't look it's bad. Still, it feels very, but it feels very TV, right? It feels yeah. like a, a set versus a location. Like exactly. it just doesn't yeah, feel, totally. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing the new ones have done, the new Star Trek films have done well, is really make you feel like you're. They've made them cinematic. You know, and right. I, I think that my issue with First Contact, you know, visually is it feels like an episode of television like it just doesn't feel super cinematic and we live now in this interesting golden age of television where tv looks so good and so like my wife the other day was um she was watching the uh the new gilmore girls reboot on netflix that you know recently got rebooted and i like walked into the room when she was watching it and the show just looked shitty it looked like oh my god this looks like a television show but like it was so shocking because i haven't seen television look like television for so long now like i am so used to such amazing looking tv so going to watching you know this movie i was like oh this just looks like a television show and all that kind of stuff so it's hard for me to like detach from that from that perspective so yeah i don't know i mean it's i mean i I, you know it's we're talking about the way it looks and and uh you know the fact that it feels like the, the scope is limited but i think uh you know beyond that i think that um 
this is a pretty zippy, solid, tight written, tightly written story for the most part. No, would, it would is you agree? I, almost to a fault um, because because it just glosses over so much crap that like I guess I don't really need to know. Like I don't need to know the mechanics of time travel, mm-hmm. but no one seems that shocked that they are able to time travel, which kind of bugged me. A little bit. They don't like yeah, a big deal. It that's very common in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> there's a lot of episodes that are centered around time. So they're travel, just so. Are, so are they just like time travel? Like is this like old hat? Like oh, we're just gonna time travel now. Yeah. I, basically, yeah, I think it's a technology that a lot of races have access to, and I think it's it's kind of handled as if there's something. I, I think they mentioned something about Prime Directive, and I, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm gonna look it up. I think that's this the is why um, we need Queenie. You know, but, yeah, this <laughs> is why I want a Queenie on the show. But whatever, right? Fine. Well, okay, you can convince her she doesn't like talking in front of the camera or <laughs> microphones. So. Yeah, because we're re- because it's an audio podcast. Well, there's she there so now, many. She cam- can just like whisper in your ear. No, she's not there. No. Okay. Um, Oh no! So then that's different. <laughs> so, wait, wait. What is going on? She's whispering you here right now, Michael. Don't say anything. I am not here right now. <laughs> you would radio if they, if all three of you just don't talk. Are you just? Did you finish your origami crane? Is that the you're problem? You're not here right now. You're, you're definitely not. What you hate? Origami. I hate him too. But what are you going to do? Like, I guess, okay, fine. Yeah, she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to do it. Unfortunately. No, Prime Directive, sorry, is I was, in, was wrong. It's about you can't interfere with other civilizations' development. So it's kind of the idea that like they can't really. I think time travel is handled with. Um, uh, you can't just use it willy nilly. You can't just you know zip around time like like it's you know. Um, well, I guess, I guess my argument is I don't I never care how time travel happens in movies. Like I don't need to know like the science behind your time travel, but I need to feel like I think it ne- I think it needed to feel more substantial in this movie. And I I feel like we yeah, kind of ru- we exactly kind of rushed through. I think when you when you rush through when it's half a movie is just about time travel. No, if you're freaking time traveling, you're threatening to change the entire course of entire races de- de- developmental. You know their, their technology, their relations with other like everything. Because how do they a get a freaking movie about it? You don't you don't just like oh it's a side plot, it's B plot. Well, you know, r- riddle me this, Dave. Mm-hmm. How do they? I don't. I didn't even understand how they got back to the future. So they to speak. D- they just uh, they detected some warp space thingy. But I but I'm under it. the impression that what the Borg does to go back in time was mm-hmm. like somewhat surprising or should have been somewhat surprising. I don't know. I, I, feel I didn't like, really understand how they actually time travel. I just know that they did. Well that's like I like that's an issue of the movie is they do a lot of this gobbledygook stuff where like they're like data what's happening? It's like we're being hit by pulsar beams that's sending us back in time captain. Yeah. And I don't know stuff yeah, because like something that. something happens something <laughs> that's like my data they... impression. It sounded like C-3PO <laughs> there. They, they sounded more like a, an old timey radio voice. It didn't <laughs> no, really no. sound like anyone. It sounded like no 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 an old timey radio Radio voice is, uh, is this still in? Yeah, that Titanic. Right. Yeah. Titanic hits glacier. <laughs> I'd love to see a version of Data that like that. <laughs> data on the Titanic. Like and I that. and I think the movie's got a lot of these really creative elements where like they go to that like hollow deck thing where the um. Shit. I that part kind of stupid, actually. No, but I think that's kind of. Cl- I thought that was fun, but then she's but again, like, I thought she's like, she, she's like, I thought she, that? th- that's the problem. Like at the end of that, she's like, I thought everything was a hologram. He's like, I turned off the safety measures. I'm like, wait a minute, you all, all, wait, or all you have to say is no safety, and all of a sudden you can get a, t- you can like materialize matter out of thin air, like stuff like that bothers the me about Star Trek. Has a, has a it's it's rife with plot holes because it can, it can be <laughs> deadly it can be not like it's 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 too strong and i think you know we always talk about the, the you know the rules of a sci-fi or a fantasy world and i think the rules of the holodeck are a little bit too loose i think for the for the show's own good yeah it's um, uh, patrick stork saying I, I really would like to be in a 30s noir movie nikki the well, we're making we're making a star trek movie but well, no, no. But that's kind of like, see, that's what that, that's what they would use it's it's a common like trope of the show is that you would uh, you know, it's it's a if they want to do a show, we're like, hey, let's do a medieval show. We go back in time to like the Middle Ages. Well, okay, we'll go into the hollow deck and let's just do that. <laughs> so it gives them a lot of like freedom to do some off weird, you know, non sci fi plots if they want to go off. If they want to do like a 1920s thing in the hollow deck, they can do that. I don't love that. I, I don't know. I think if you're sci fi, just do sci fi. Uh, but yeah. Um, so um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, here's what, I, I feel like I'm shitting on this movie too much. And let me talk about some things I really do like about it. I think um, I think James Cromwell's character is underdeveloped, but I think he's a lot of fun in that role. Yep. Um, I think uh, that there are some really interesting messages in the movie. I think that the takeover of the Enterprise, like like Mike said, both plots are interesting. Like they're kind of compelling plots. I just don't know if they all necessarily work. I I, I do really like the sequence where they need to magnet 
they they need to like stick to the side of the ship mm-hmm. and then to to like walk upside down. I think the that's, red shirt in that is uh, Neil McDonough. I know that's yeah, Mike's favorite yeah, yeah. guy. It's the guy from Angels in the Outfield. Uh, well, a guy from everything. He's been in talking? everything. He, he was in Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, he plays the yeah, pitcher. The pitcher guy. Yeah. I had oh no, I, sir! I, I'm a I pitcher. Huh, yeah, and he also plays. Uh, he's in he's uh, Captain America villains. too. Yeah, right, he's right. In Captain he's America. One of, he's in Band of Brothers. He's in. He's he was in, in Minority Report. Tin Man. Um, but is, oh, I got a question. Dave, I'm sorry, Mike. Is he in the series at all, or did he just make an appearance in this movie to get killed off? Yeah, I think he. I think he just showed up to get killed. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I like all those elements of it. I like this idea that essentially Star Trek is a socialist utopia. Like the world is like, there is no money here and we all love each other. And, you know, we, 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 we are intelligent. Like, but I like see, this. I don't, I don't buy that because they talk about that. Right. But then there's countless episodes and even in the <laughs> mo- like where the, the human race are a bunch of dicks, like they do bad things anyway. So it's, <laughs> I guess as a general rule, sure. The society itself has moved to that, but they, I'm like, I don't really Look, buy it. It's not. The world has such a pessimistic outlook right now. I really like this idea of a sci-fi, like everything in sci-fi is always a post-apocalyptic universe, and I like that that's not the case here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so I, I do appreciate that. I like the fact that we have clean technology and it's shiny and pretty. It's not dirty and grungy. Mm. Um, so I, I like all that kind of stuff. I just um, but that unfortunately is also the kind of thing that makes something feel uh, that. That it doesn't age well. Like twenty years later, right. looking at Star Trek: First Contact, that doesn't look nearly as good as something that's like, say, Empire Strikes Back, which was made twenty years before that. Because so. there's like because grim it, and it, grunt on the sh- yeah, grim, just it feels, crime on the ships yeah. and stuff like that. I guess, I guess, and it's Did I you guess say it's the not grunt on the ships. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm okay. really tired. That was really not. <laughs> good. That's you always say you're very tired. We get it. I'm an idiot. It's fine. Well, it's cool. there we go. I like. See, I like that. <laughs> Have you guys seen the Voyage Home, the uh, the original series movie? Uh, from 85 or 86. This, uh, from the Whales. What? The Whales movie. No, no, no. I've never seen any of the original Star Trek features. Really? Wow. Okay. I've seen First Contact. You haven't seen I think I think I've seen Generations, which is the first one of the, uh, the next generation um, okay. series because uh, I... I remember the only thing I remember about the movie I saw it when I was really young. My mom was really into Star Trek as a kid, and we watched uh, Generation. She was really excited, and they show William Shatner. She's like, "Wow, he got fat." That's like yeah. my only. <laughs> that's my only recollection of Star Trek Generations. And I've I've seen uh, I've seen the first two of the new J.J. Abrams series, and I saw half of Star like Trek Beyond. Beyond. Okay. I didn't dislike it. I was just like, yeah. I'm not interested in this, so okay. I'm just going to stop watching it. So you didn't watch. Rathacon or Voyage Home, which are no. the two best, I think, of the... Uh, the Wait, the whale one you consider to be one. the best? The two best. Uh, the, the Rathacon and the whales. Yeah, well, my first big exposure to Star Trek actually was the Voyage Home. I, I think I watched the series as a kid with my parents when it was on. I, didn't sit, I wasn't really interested in it, but if it was on, I would watch it. But the Voyage Home was the first time I, I remember feeling like invested in those characters and, and really understanding what the chemistry between like the you know, the handful of leads was really about and I think that's really what made the original series work better for me I didn't really like if you asked me uh, who the original series characters were even before the new uh, Star Trek came out I would have known when, when with the next generation I know Patrick Stewart Worf. and I know uh, Data and I wouldn't have remembered Worf I wouldn't have remembered any, anybody Klingon. else I know he's the Klingon I know but I he would have he's got those weird eyes oh, there's the guy with the with, with the, yeah, with the, with the band speaking across of his by face. the way his eyes super distracting way too bright I like him better with the visor that's like I, his I think he wanted to be able to act with his eyes so they, they, they <laughs> they're like he's like I don't want to wear the visor put something else in my eyes well so there's the uh, he's the, blind there's the doctor I don't know her name but there's the doctor character the blonde one and then there is the the one who got gets drunk with Sephiroth and Cochran. She like I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, she's yeah, I don't know. I don't. Right. But that, yeah, again, they they all kind of just blend together to me. You know, like I, they're not nearly as memorable as the core trio of the original series. Why do you think that is? Spock. Well, I don't know. I mean, that, that, it, there's like a, a mystical thing that, that you know, chemistry is hard to. Uh, you, there's, there's no. Um, I don't know. Characters. There's, there's no magic formula that's, that that. Uh, makes that work I mean it just but I feel like dude I feel like Picard uh, number one Jonathan Frakes and Data are all pretty iconic I, I would they're, say they're maybe not so, so much as the first three because those guys are the original Jonathan you know, the Frakes original is crew, uh, Riker right that's his name Riker yeah yeah. yeah I don't know there's something about the grumpy doctor and the, log- <laughs> the logical alien and like the uh yeah, I don't know what you the call brash it. hero the brash hero like those three together for whatever reason really made a strong uh, core 
of, of the cast. The, they're know. the first ones, though, as well. Like, that's that's going to be, you know, just like you think of, you know, Luke Skywalker and, yeah. and Darth Vader and Harrison Who's more Ford, memorable, uh, Ray or Luke Skywalker? It's because I know it's, exactly. it's a little unfair because Ray just that movie just came out and yeah. But the know. point is, I think like you have the that the original cast and the ones that started the whole sh- like everything. The mythology is really centered around them. That's always going to be more iconic than the extra characters. Every season that goes on after, like Star Maybe. Trek, that you know, next yeah. generation, not next generation. What's the next one? Is it Deep Space Nine or Voyager? Yeah, I don't. Nobody knows anybody from those. <laughs> yeah, <I don't laughs> nobody knows anybody. <laughs> well, unless you're yeah. really. Unless you're well, uh, Deep Space uh, Nine is the first uh, female captain, correct? Uh, I think that's Voyager. Um, well, one of them is on Orange is the New Black now. The uh, the one who plays Red in Orange is the New Black was the captain of the right. ship. Uh, no. for, uh, captain Janeway. What? Captain Janeway, I think. Captain Janeway? That's probably not her real, the actress's name. No, yeah. no, Dave. <laughs> I, I don't think, yeah. <laughs> My name's Captain Janeway. I no, should so probably play yeah, the captain Kate, on your Kate, show. Kate Mulgrew, Kate Mulgrew with yeah. Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. Okay, wow. Yes. No, so the, the thing is, um, I, I guess I'm, uh, Star Trek uh, exists in a realm of television that I don't feel like is around very much anymore. This idea of... Um, episodic content like monster of the week type stuff that's what star trek is it's bread and butter you know each episode would be an hour-long thing they'd have their adventure they'd solve right. it occasionally you have a two-parter that would extend right. over a couple episodes it wasn't serialized in the way yeah it wasn't right serialized now. the way tv is basically tv now is just 10-hour movies per season right. um so yeah. i think that i don't know in watching this i was reminded that's why it felt dated to me and watching this it felt like i was it felt like I was back in that realm of like mid '90s television, like X Files television. And there's nothing wrong with the X Files. I'm just saying that it just kind of, I don't know if it. If it's the, an artifact of its time. Yes, and I think that the uh, the does you know movies hold up. I feel like watching this movie was very foreign to me now as a modern viewer, um, and I I don't know. So well, it's funny because I remember saying at the beginning of this podcast that this movie is good, and, and I'm trying to think of. Yeah, come on, man. Defend what else, the what movie. Is, and I'm comparing it to the original series and saying it's not as good as the original series. Here, okay, John, well, we, Patrick Stewart is ten times the actor that William Shatner is. That's, that's true. That's, that's, well, so, that's yeah, I mean, but that's, that's not saying a whole lot, though. Well, let's get into... <laughs> ten times zero. Let's get, right, no, 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 but let's get into what, I, you know, what you can consider the most character stuff in the movie, which is Data well, on, and the before board. Before we do anything, I, I want to real quickly make oh, a quick boy. stop, pit stop about... Um, pulling, uh, pulling, over, pulling over. Pulling over. Pulling over the car. Getting out of the car, stretching her legs a little bit. Okay, stretch those legs. Um, now, what? What do you? Um, Patrick happening? Stewart's acting. I love him, and I think he's he has a lot of charisma. Is his acting for you guys? Is it a little big? It's a little stagey. And I think the whole. I think he's a Shakespearean ev- actor. I think so. everyone's big in this movie, and I, I, it, no, I, I would say there's some yeah. people who are better than others, but I think he especially feels sometimes a little bit melodramatic, well, overdramatic. He and Alfred Woodard. Well, he, he has a lot of yelling. <laughs> he he is definitely big. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Mike. Uh, which is probably why Patrick Stewart is one of the most jiffable celebra- celebrities. Like, <laughs> right. like there, I think half the memes on the internet are Patrick Stewart memes, and there's a reason <laughs> for that. It's because he's very expressive mm-hmm. uh, in his, uh, and so you can With take like and... in his hands and his face, and you can take like two second clips, and you can like they say everything that you need to say. Yeah. But it didn't really bother me because I kind of like the fact that this captain has this aura so to speak like this Shakespearean profound aura and I actually really do like uh, Patrick Stewart in this role so yeah, yeah. did you know young yeah. Patrick Stewart looks a little bit like Richard Gere <laughs> do they both like gerbils no, uh, oh, let's hope not. That's the dumbest. That's the dumbest uh, urban legend. Of all you know, time. you know what's funny about urban legends like that? That's not like an urban legend that existed like before the internet could spread urban legends. Yeah. So we know. all, how did we all know that? I don't know. Like, isn't that weird? Like, it, it is weird. Uh, yeah, like that. That's like one of the things that everyone just knows. But anyway, so Dave, I, I know. Sorry, Dave and Mike. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Borg a little bit, and I want to talk about what I consider to be space zombies. They are space. They're space exactly. computer yep. zombies. Yeah. Computer zombies. Um. Uh, they're like organic they're organic creatures that live that don't need like organic substances right uh that like use like machine um like how do they eat do the borgs eat like what do they do i don't I, it doesn't seem like they do it seems like they are they assemble, well they're cyborgs right so they're half they're half uh organic half mechanical cybernetic so it seems as though they don't need to do anything they don't have any like involuntary functions or things that need to be i think it's just kind of all like a Borg doesn't need to them. pee. Like a Borg isn't peeing, right? <laughs> no, I don't think they got to pee because they're not drinking anything. I think they're kind of, it's all handled by their 
other half there. Of the mechanical just there I don't see them doing a whole lot of mundane things either, <laughs> just in general, like sitting down at a table eating something or like sweeping the floors. I don't see any of that happening. They're kind of like the blob. They just like ingest, ingest, and they get bigger. They, and they bigger. definitely don't shower for sure. I mean, we know that, right? <laughs> but the thing that, okay, so going back to the filmmaking of this movie is you could argue that half the movie is a zombie movie, as Dave said. But none of those sequences were like that are zombie moments are scary or suspenseful or Maybe none, not now. Uh, well, I don't even. Do you think they were back then? Like I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I saw it. and I guess I, I felt I was really into the story, so I suppose. So, but I, I I know what you mean. I think it feels a little hokey, right? Because the idea of them are, is terrifying. Like yeah, it, and yeah. I think I mean, maybe I, if Ridley Scott had directed this, maybe it would have been no. But can, <laughs> no, I agree. Conceptually, it is very compelling and could be really creepy, but it just never feels. I think the issue for me, I think, it had to do with the makeup. I think they made them look more like. <laughs> I like the way they look, but yeah, no, I thought the the, the uh, and Star Trek pretty well. Actually. And Star Trek but, is always known for doing a lot of um, for their alien races doing like really complex makeup uh, work, which is really impressive. I, th- uh, I thought the effect of the Borg Queen going into her body was a pretty yeah, pretty that's well like done the, that's yes, I think she's I think she's excellent. I think she's yeah. kind of embodying what I wished I wanted to see on the others. She feels more real to me and more. And because of that, it's it's creepier because she seems more human. The rest of them seem more like fantasy monsters, like orcs with the heavy brow and like the big jaws. Like I feel like they have a lot of. I would kill you where you stand. That felt a little when Worf threatens uh, Jean Luc Picard. Right, that felt yeah. a little over the top to me. Right, like, the, what, I, you're I threatening the... to kill him? <laughs> He's just trying to get everybody out. Like I forget exactly what the. Uh, the conflict in that scene was, but... I well, he called him a coward. Like he you, won- don't, you don't do that. You don't call a Klingon a coward unless you want to die where you stand. I mean, that's, that's just... He, well, I think Worf wanted to get them all off the ship, and, and, and Picard wants to stay on the sinking ship. Essentially, he's Ahab, right? Right, exactly, yeah. No, but anyway, back so back to the Borg. I, I just think if you made them look more human with stuff embedded in their skin, I think it would... But for me, it seemed like they were like, oh, they're monsters with robotic parts. So the monster part of it didn't really... I think that distances me more. Whereas the 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 woman, uh, the queen, seems a lot more human in the sense of she doesn't have a lot of prosthetics on her face. Maybe not as much as the other ones. Or she just appeared to be more human. Well, versus I think she's like, meant to seduce. I mean, she's she's right. supposed to be sexy. She's yeah, supposed she's, to be a sexy zombie. I mean, I guess their 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 race depends on seducing. Uh, other races and uh, I, you know, yeah, she but it has seems to be also just taken by be, force. So I don't. What's that? It seems like they also just take things by force. I don't know how much seducing they do. I think they just kind of ca- uh, kidnap and convert. Well, too, I mean, so. with the the plot line is they have to. She has to. She can't break into the firewall, so to speak, because Data is the only one that can do that. So she needs to seduce him because you know that kind of thing. Uh, right. So a couple questions about that whole plot line. So um, Data makes a line where she says, uh, like, she asks him basically, "Can he have sex?" And he says, I am fully functional in that mm-hmm. region. So is Data a, a fuckbot? I don't know. Like, or, I don't know, but it was kind of, it's kind of funny, though. Like, you know, like, it's, it's, you it's can a, appreciate Data as a character in this movie, for sure. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's funny. He's funny, know? and he probably has the most badass action moment where he, like, drops, like, 100 feet, and then just, like, uh, when he's, like, uh, when they arrive on Earth. Yeah. And he, like, you know, she tries to shoot him and doesn't do anything to him. He's a cyborg and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, like, I don't... And then at the very end of the movie, it's revealed that Data never even for an inkling ever considered. No, no, no. He did. He did. It was like for a split second, but for oh, him for it was an eternity. For point zero six seconds, Captain. Yeah. But like, does that, but doesn't that statement kind of uh, take the air out of the tension of the movie that he never even really considered it? Like it was all just a ruse the entire time? Well, I mean, he didn't know. You weren't I mean, supposed he still to had know until... so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he had sex he? with her. Oh, no, he well, definitely did. His hair was down. So he was doing <laughs> well, something. It was, it was strongly implied that they had. And and, and uh, he has, I think in season one, he had sex with, an, with another human character. Wait, so he's was, having sex throughout the series? So only, is, only, I think only once before. I think, and you're he telling me says, on mainstream television there's a sex spot? Oh, yeah. Uh, so apparently. They, uh, this changes everything. So they... So, I mean, I guess. So he has testicles? Yeah, like what's the deal with Data? Like, <laughs> I mean, can he reproduce? Yeah, what's, what's down there? Well, he's there? fully functioning. So he doesn't reproduce, right? So he's just fully functioning. So I guess he has oh, whatever he needs to so, do to perform the act. He's, he's like Gary no Shandling's so character like from... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, a pimp, like, like, a, like a gigolo, I mean. <laughs> he's a, yeah, can you hire like Data? He's like, like a gigolo Joe, essentially. Like, I can go all night because I will never ejaculate. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, Data confuses me as a character. He almost seems too powerful and too technologically advanced for that universe. I I agree. I think that he does seem to be, again, talk about, you know, rules and limits. He does seem to be limitless and, and like almost like a perfect being in the sense of he's incredibly strong. He's incredibly fast. He can calculate things in the fraction of a second it takes humans to do. But if you can build His, data, why why even have humans on the enterprise? Just have right, all exactly, the data. Exactly. So that's the question. You, you there needs to be some kind of a flaw. There needs to be some problem with it where he you know he can't he can make great logical things, but he doesn't maybe understand the deeper nature of things, which is kind of what they do with him. But I think. I think he became such a fan favorite that it was probably just a lot of fan service where they're like, what if Data just shows up and, you know, just stops bullets? Like, he gets shot and doesn't affect him. How awesome would that be? Yeah, let's do it. And then I just, you know. That stuff's cool, too. But I think he makes an interesting bridge between, like, the humans and, you know. The Borg. The Borg. Yeah, totally. It's it's very thematic. Like, I get what they're going. I think his his role, I think, is, is great. I think he's in a really good place. I just think that they need to. They gotta just like you said, he's too perfect. They gotta just give him some flaws and and give him some weaknesses that we know. Because if you know there's no weaknesses, you're never really truly afraid for him. You know, um, when you can and, and he has those moments. He has the moments where he gets the you know the skin implant and he can feel things. There's yeah. a moment when he's seduced. So you do wonder now at the moment. end. You find out he was never really serious about it. But at the time, you're definitely. It seems like he's he's being converted. And when he turns on um, uh, uh, Picard at the end, when he seems like he is converted. That's a scary moment because you're like, oh, they they got to him, they got through, and now he's a different. He's got hair, weird hair. <laughs> his hair is down. His, uh, this is going to be a controversial. His face is ripped off. This is going to be a controversial statement that's going to piss a lot of people off. Oh. But I almost wish this movie, like I think the Borg looks cool and has mm-hmm. cool things. I wish this movie just kind of all took place in this 2060 post-apocalyptic, post-World War Three world, mm-hmm. and them trying to recruit Zephyrin Cochran and convince him to be the hero he should be. So you because enjoy that part of the movie more. I just like Zephyrin Cochran as a character. I like this I idea. I the Borg part more. Actually. I, so I, I agree. Yeah, done with Dave. He actually, Zephyr, he, he seems like he's more of, um, I don't know, just a typical like alcoholic person running stuff. from his... <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it's executed extremely no. well. I think that the seed of this idea of having to convince somebody to accept the fact that he is going to be a great person. Like it's, yeah. it's the Bill and Ted's excellent adventure thing. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, I kind of yeah. like this. I, I like this. Uh, You're going to be so great, dude. You're going to invent warp speed. I, 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 I kind of wish contact. that, I don't know. I found that more interesting. No, and that's exactly what I said at the, you know, the, the top of the show is that I feel like this is, he is that that's a good plot line. Why cram that into half a movie when you can give it a full movie, you know, that time to let it breathe and explore the character more and, you know, go through a, it's it just, it's, it feels rushed to me. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I do agree, though. I mean, it's and like then I'm, having having the woman. I think that's almost like a third plot is having the the woman. What's her name? I don't even remember. Uh, Lily, isn't it? Lily, thank you. Is that right? Um, having no. her, that's like almost like a, plot, a C plot. Like she's just distracting from. Okay, both. well. Well, this gets into another problem I have with the movie. I, I God, I'm really shitting on this movie, and I feel bad. But no, because I uh, did like it. Like I said, I yeah, that's it. Yeah, there was a lot of problems. <laughs> no, it's, with no, it's funny. I did too. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm like I like this movie. I think we all movie. liked it, but we're all finding problems with it. No, so. but like that's the thing is, um, I didn't. None of the Picard like stuff, like him being like drawn to the Borg, which mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing happened in another episode of the Next Generation it series did, yeah. where he was assimilated by the Borg. Like right. that, I, and I, I didn't watch the Next Generation series, so I don't have like that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that stuff just never feels that like suspenseful or like impactful and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, I, I, I did you like find any of his Captain Ahab stuff like emotionally compelling? No. I, I see no but it made sense to me and I liked and again it made, it, if yeah, it had more it time sense, you could make it, it more compelling if it was I, logical I the it was good because the opening shot I think is is fantastic it's the yeah. slow you know dolly back from his cybernetic eye into like this giant world that he's trapped in and I think all that is very compelling and that was what kind of brought me in the movie like I want to know more about that like what is going on there like what what is the deal with the Borg and his experience with the Borg like Spend a scene where he describes what it's like. What is it like to be to have that stuff implanted in your brain? To have you know talk about the experience. Like let let that really become real for the audience. And I was a and little then, confused as to how he possibly could have escaped. Yeah, how did he become unborn? Yeah, like and I, that, that's just you needed to watch the episode because I even asked. Uh, I guess Brady and she was saying so, like, so, "Oh yeah, that's just you know." Can you tell it us? Was, yeah, it was complicated, is what she said. So, did they do that Star Trek 
crap where they're like, well, we gave him some neuron juice and then he left. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, I, I we, we put him in the hydrolyzer and then the hydrolyzer put him in the thing. Like, this is like my, I have so many problems with Star Trek because even the technology, it's like, wait, you can beam someone anywhere at any, like that. I have a problem with beaming. Beaming doesn't like work for beaming, me. No, beaming has limits. So beaming, you have to know specifically where you're putting that person and you don't know where you're beaming them to. You could beam them into... So if you try to beam them onto another ship, right, you're on the chance of beaming them into a wall and instantly killing them. So, like, you have to be careful with how how and where you beam people. Okay. I don't know. I I, I feel like the technology of Star Trek kind of weirds me out. And phasers... It, yeah. And yeah. so phasers are, like, capable of, like, causing massive explosions and also doing tiny bits of stun damage. Like, I don't know. It, it's, well, no, you can... That, that's fine, too, to me. Is that you have... You turn it on... Like it's like blast. you know, I feel like these technology issues were addressed in Galaxy Quest, which is actually my favorite Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen that one? You no, know, I, I yeah. do like Galaxy yeah. Quest quite a bit. I and I think that Galaxy Quest finds a lot of the like takes a lot of the issues I have with Star Trek and kind of makes it into a more rounded cinematic experience actually so yeah, yeah do that one someday we should but not right after doing a star trek movie <laughs> um so i guess my, my final question is mike how do you feel about the jj abrams reboot i mean are you into that or do you prefer this next generation world because are, are you watching I, a lot of these episodes with queenie or is she just telling you about them no she was telling i watched a couple with her but um it, it just feels very, it feels dated it feels very tv to me so it's hard for me to really really get into them i like the ideas of them and i think some of the plots are actually pretty good did you watch um, this with uh, Queenie? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And did she really like the movie? Yeah, she did too. Yeah, she. I mean, she. We both did. We both enjoyed it. I think you know she appreciates it more because she probably knows all the nuances of the characters and their you know past and backstory and all that stuff. But I do like J.J. Abrams better. His, his version is better because it just feels more contemporary and it feels more expansive. I mean, we'll like we know were twenty years from now. Huh? You know, we'll really be able to judge twenty years from now and be able to say you know if, whether those movies hold up. Yeah, I think it's they do suffer say, a little yeah. bit from like Hollywood issues of uh, everything has to be gigantic and big and huge. So I think you and like I think the first movie I like the best from my memory. It's been a while, but mm-hmm. I think when there's more character work, I think that's always what I gravitate more toward. I think the later movies just feel like there's a lot more, there's more stuff happening, and there's more actions. So I feel like the character stuff starts suffering, and it's, it becomes more about you know we have to get this thing from this point to this point. Oh, now there's an explosion. Okay, we have to go around. Okay, there's another ship. And it, it just it becomes like a you know like a gauntlet of things that are happening versus you know people reacting to stuff. Yeah. And uh, what do you what are you? I, I'm guessing you're a big fan of the J.J. Abrams series, right? Yeah, I, I liked them. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I liked Star Trek. I didn't like a Star Trek. A ringing ador- endorsement day. No, I yeah. I mean, I, I well, I mean, there were visual they distractions that everyone them. that everyone. It's a cliche now to say that J.J. Abrams likes lens flares. You know, those were I found very that distracting. stuff doesn't bother me. That, that stuff much. bothered me in the first in the first movie, and then the second movie, it, it felt like it was on its way to becoming a great movie and then started to pull its punches. And then the third movie, the one that just came out, I actually enjoyed fairly well beyond. Um, the um, um, My issue with the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, yeah. the first one, is I feel like that's like the setup of that movie is great. Like the first act, I think, mm-hmm. is perfect. I think mm-hmm. it's like one of the like a great 30 minute action movie like mm-hmm. I'm really into it and then I think that movie falls apart in its third act when they start introducing their weird inner More time travel stuff yeah but it's time travel stuff that I think is so mind-bendingly hard to wrap your head around that I think it I think it I think it the idea of having to keep the other stuff in in timeline and canon I think just ruins everything like I, I find it to be real distracting so yeah, I, I mean, found the end of that movie to just be like I, I feel like know, they were trying to hit on. a lot of Star Trek's greatest hits, as it were, you know, time travel, alien time travel, races, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you know, it, it it's almost like the same thing that that J.J. Uh, Abrams did with the Force Awakens in, in a way, and um, you know, he's good at bringing series back to life, I suppose, because uh, I, I guess for, after yeah, First Contact, life, it, there really there really weren't any more Star Trek hits until the J.J. Abrams. I mean, totally. They were, no, right, they they had yeah. a they had a series called Enterprise that didn't do very well. Right on, right, on TV, they were. Fairly, I mean, fairly successful. I mean, those. Uh, but I think so. First contact, I think, is kind of like this pinnacle. It's like that they've hit this peak, mm-hmm. and then after 1996, it's like a slow fade into oblivion until right. Abrams reboots it right. later. So, right. yeah. Oh, I yeah. think you just have. I think that the two shows that followed probably didn't have the right cast. We talk all the time about what makes a movie successful, and when you have just this, like, you know, a really good, you know, the, the chemistry between characters and, and the actors themselves make a movie. And I think when you have two series in a row where it seems like the characters didn't really hit home with anybody the same way that the original crew did, the way you know uh, 
Patrick Stewart and, and all the rest of the guys. Uh, I feel like you have a problem because now the show itself, you're, you're starting with a brand new cast. And in some way, I feel like there's almost like you have the problem of when you go from something that is so well-loved and you, you really you know bond these characters and you start off in the new universe with a whole new set of people, it's almost like you lose probably a lot of your audience because it's, it's not... It's not your people. It's not your friends. It's some strangers in a familiar environment, which sometimes feels really weird. You know, to, to know it's in the same universe, but the people you care about aren't there. I think you kind yeah. of you you can you can alienate a lot of people that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. It, it's a uh, it's a tough call. I, uh, I'm like I just I'm, I guess I'm just not a Star Trek guy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a sad thing about it, but. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that are that really buy into they like. Yeah, I think it's it. fine. I think it has it has a very fervent following against people with the people who really like it. I, it. I appreciate it. It's not Star Wars for me though. Star Wars is you know I, I'm, I don't want to keep comparing the two, but Star Wars is something very different. I think that Star Trek kind of uh, captures the intellectual curiosity of uh, science, and yeah. um, but also not even science. I, I think a lot of these shows episodes are about philosophical topics, like uh, very like Freudian ideas about like. Who, what makes a man really a man? Right. And, what does it uh, mean to be human? What does it mean like to be human? And all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, explores a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of uh, like English majory type topics, but does it in this sci-fi, uh, you know, monster of the week type format. So I, I respect kind of that ambition of that series. And um, there's a great quote in the greatest comedy of all time. That would be Wayne's World, where uh, Mike Myers says, kind of like Star Trek: The Next Generation, in many ways better than the original series, but Never quite as revered. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts before we uh, close this one? Put this this episode to bed. As I it think were. so. I mean, I mean, I, overall, I think I really enjoy the ideas of this movie and and the the general story. I think the execution is okay. So I think it kind of balances out, and I I feel like okay, it's fine. It's a good Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story. You know, My, it, it, you know what we need to do? It, we it, need it to doesn't do really it. capture the emotional... Uh, we it, need it. to make a poster series where we put Dave's <laughs> quotes about movies on the posters. Oh, yeah. It was fine. Great. It was a uh, you know, it was a decent Star Trek movie. Uh, okay. Um, this was a movie. It's a movie. It was fine. I watched How it. How do you type out? <laughs> <laughs> That's like 90% period. of Dave's reviews. Okay. <laughs> good. Pretty good. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess uh, you're kind of in the same boat as us, right, Mike? Yeah, pretty much. It's good. I like it. No, I, I, and I did enjoy it, but I have a lot of issues with it. I think I enjoy it despite those issues. Um, I think it could have been better, but I think, again, it's a product of its time, and I think there's a lot of, there were probably a lot of tropes and a lot of, um, even just, you know, from a, from a production standpoint, things that were being done a certain way at the time, which I think it, it you know, unfortunately just falls victim to a lot of that other stuff. But ignoring all those things, I think it, it, it does a good job. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to not watch. Jonathan Frakes, uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Brent Spiner, all these other, like, all the characters. It's hard to watch them and not enjoy it because you, I like the characters so much. So I think that kind of, I give it a pass because of, uh, you know, no, the I like characters. Those, I like those yeah. actors too. I, I, my one final nit I want, I did want to mention, and they do, they do answer this question in the movie. So before anyone yells at me, but if the goal, if the goal is for them to have uh, the Vulcans see this guy in his crappy warp ship, so you know the Vulcans stop, I was like, wouldn't they be distracted by the high tech warp spaceship, the Enterprise? It's like, <laughs> well, they had literally to, that was next part to... of the problem. They had to get out of there before it was like they had to get him launching, and they had to get out of the area before. Well, they oh, do, no, but they were there. No, they, they were, were there. That's the yeah, problem. That's right. No, but they but do. Was... An, they do answer it where Jonathan Frakes is like this offhand, like bad screenwriting thing where he's like, he's like, or no, I think Data says it where he's like, but we were we were hidden behind the moons, the yes, moon's shadow. They don't so go. The... They don't go warp speed though. I think it's the warp speed that that's that, what uh, gets us right. They must have yeah. had some kind of signal out there like. Check Earth for warp speed. Check Earth for warp speed. <laughs> That's all we care about. No, I, I don't know. I just stuff, <laughs> stuff like that where the movie just kind of I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a dork. Knows? Anyway, um, if you want to find, <laughs> we're closing out this episode. If you want to find us on the web, you can uh, find other episodes at reviewedpodcast.com. Uh, like our Facebook page. Face, face, blah, 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 blah. face You know, face I shouldn't. I have such a speech Make impediment. I should not be. I should not be recording a podcast. Facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. And you can email us at contact at reviewed podcast, uh, dot com. And uh, be sure to like us and subscribe on iTunes. That's always great and helpful. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter, Dave Glanz, G-L-A-N-Z, and Dave Glanz Productions.com. Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on uh, my website at MikeMirandi.com or on Twitter at Mike Mirandi. 
Uh, you can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter. That's K-A-N-D-E-R. I write, curate, and edit for the website shortoftheweek.com. And my website where I do my freelance work is lucky9studios.com. Um, so next episode, guys, is my choice. Oh, boy. You guys ready for this? Okay. Mm-hmm. One Bill Paxton recently passed oh, away. Oh, yeah. This guy. And I love me some Bill Paxton. And I was debating right. which Bill Paxton movie I wanted to do. And we've done Aliens, yes. so I can't do that again. Um, which would have been the you know the go to because that's game over, man. But yeah. um, right now, unless you guys veto it, uh, I would really like to do True Lies, yeah, the James Cameron film. Uh, Cameron, Cameron film, um, starring uh, Schwarzenegger and uh-huh. uh, our boy Bill Paxton. So um, that's a good True one. Lies. One false move. It's another good Bill Paxton movie. I don't even know what that movie. No one's seen that movie. People don't know that movie. No one's seen that movie. One false move, guys. Uh, Simple plan. Also, go- really good Bill Paxton movie. Yeah, that's why I think of that movie is more of a Billy Bob Thornton movie. Isn't Billy Bob Thornton in that? He is. Uh, who, oh, poster. that's a Sam Raimi movie, right? Yes. Uh, no, that is Simple a good one. Plan, one I was also move. debating whether to do Twister, Ugh. but I don't think there's enough to talk about with Twister. Yeah, I was moved by all the. Meteorologists or not meteor, all the uh, weather chasers that that was awesome in the news. Yeah. All the weather chasers in honor of Bill Paxton somehow formed a giant BP on the map. Oh, the nice. Map. <laughs> uh, no, I um, my favorite thing about Twister is that they had an attraction at the uh, at Universal Studios oh, where really? you could like you could like view like you could ride it out like you could view the Twister, okay. but like they had this pre-show with Bill Paxton like doing the pre-show. We'll put you on the plane to Oklahoma and you get to no, no, stand, stand there and wait for a tornado. Bill Paxton <laughs> gives hit the worst performance of any actor e- ever in the pre-show of the Twister attraction. Oh, wow. Like he I'm he's sure talking he was excited about that. Like I'm sure you can find it online somewhere. It is the worst performance ever and it's amazing. So um yeah. So we're going to do True Lies, the uh the uh, It's actually a Schwarzenegger movie. It is a Schwarzenegger movie. A Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that one. So, uh, until next time, guys. Um, what is a, what is a live long and prosper? Right? Is that the, uh, Engage. the big... Engage. Engage. Make it so. Make it so. He's not Sean. Must he's, be drawn. He's not Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like Sean Connery. Yeah.